welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become more real or more applicable in our lives because we think there's power in the scriptures and we want to draw as much power out of them as we can. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and I'm so excited for our guest today. Uh, a member of my stake is how I, I first got to know him, but uh, we have with us Dallin Bayless. Uh, and I could read some really long uh, information about Dallin. He has uh, performed uh, in Broadway with Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis and uh, Children of Eden and all sorts of other places. Uh, I remember seeing you at the Hell Center Theater, one of the lead roles in Scarlet Pimpernel. You were the bad guy, but I still liked you. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, I first heard him actually singing in, uh, I think it was a stake conference or a stake priesthood leadership meeting or something. And, and I think Dallin is also uh, an institute teacher now uh, at the uh, UVU or the Orem Institute. Am I, am I correct? That's correct. Yeah, the Utah Valley Institute. Yeah. So, so welcome, Dallin, and and please tell us a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> well, I think you covered it all. So, uh, I uh, a lot of my life has been in music. Music has been a, a very important part of uh, of my career, my life, my heart, um, and uh, and and so I I, I love performing. Uh, I also love teaching the gospel and I love sharing it. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a really interesting life and we could probably go on for quite a while and talk about all the various pathways I've gone. But, uh, but needless to say, I'm here now at the Institute. I'm actually directing the choir here, uh, which is pretty cool. And so oh, that's I'm fun. Up that job. Yeah. So music has kind of found its way even into my job with uh, seminaries and institutes, which I'm very grateful for. That's great. Fluff. And you also do just some acting. It's not always music. I think, uh, like, haven't you played Joseph Smith uh, and Hiram and some other, uh, even Brigham Young, I think, in some church movies? And That's correct. Yeah. So I've, uh, I do a lot of acting. I do film acting. Uh, I do uh, stage work, as you mentioned, you know, with Broadway. Yeah. So acting definitely a big part of that uh, I, but my favorite is is uh, is when you're able to incorporate music into it uh, music is just and we'll probably talk about this we're gonna be talking about the Psalms right uh, we have uh, music is is a very powerful instrument of expression and uh, and a very powerful tool of the spirit and uh, and I love to access that I found it not only fulfilling for myself as a listener, but I love expressing it. I love, I love, I've found a lot of joy in developing my talents in that way to be able to express what's in my heart, especially my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but, but also just emotion in general and just uh, things that are important, uh, things, matters of the heart that uh, sometimes we can't really find the words to express, but when you couple beautiful poetic words with music, uh, I found it's, it's, it's extraordinary what that can convey. It, it's, it's, a, it's almost a transcendent form of communication. Um, and uh, and I, love, I love using it. I love sharing it. I love witnessing how it affects uh, people, how it strengthens them, how, it, how the Spirit is able to speak to them in ways that just words by themselves sometimes fail to do. It's well said. So I will, I'll say, and this is maybe my confessional, but uh, I am uh, not musically talented. Uh, I, <laughs> I've you had and Elder any, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, 
Actually, I had a, a girl in my ward when uh, she said, when she heard Elder Bednar say that, she said, yeah, I thought of you when uh, when he said that. <laughs> uh, I had a, a roommate who was a choir director who specifically asked me not to join the choir when he was called as the choir director. Oh. And, uh, it's all good. I, I, I'm good with that. But I, I and so but I love the, the, to sing the hymns. Right. In fact, as much as I love hearing talented singers like yourself sing, uh, like when it comes to be Christmas time. I want to sing the hymns, even though it's painful for people around me. The, the as you say, uh, the 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 power of the the beauty of the words, coupled with the music, and then me belting it out there, even though it sounds fine in my head always, but <laughs> it doesn't sound so good to other people. I, and I I can't tell. Sometimes people say, oh, "Wow, you were on tune on that song." I'm like, I don't know. Sounded the same to me. But 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 the power of doing that. Um, like you said, that's when I feel most like I'm worshiping is when I'm I'm doing that. And that it, it, there is a power to it, even for those of us who are not uh, musically talented. So, <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm grateful you shared that, uh, Carrie. Should I call you Brother Muehlstein, Bishop? Oh, no, no. Carrie, Carrie's good. Yeah. Carrie's fine? Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. We'll, we'll go with that. But absolutely, Carrie. Um, I think it's vital that everybody find their voice and sing. Doesn't matter how well-trained you are, doesn't matter if you're on pitch or not, um, sing. Because, you know, we learn in Doctrine and Covenants 25, right? My soul delighteth in the song of the heart. And I believe in that. And I believe, especially for those who may not be as comfortable with it because they haven't trained in that way to, you know, develop that talent, perhaps. Everybody has something within their heart that they can express to the Lord through music and through poetry. And, and I think it's very important that we all uh, share that, even if, it's, if we think it's subpar, because the Lord is listening. And believe me, I think he's in tears, um, feeling the, the intent behind it and our desire to praise him and worship him and to express the, through these words and through the music our own personal feelings for him and our gratitude to him and, and our desire for him to bless us. I think it's beautiful. And uh, I, I love it, you know, and I, when i going to church and uh, as I listen to people who obviously are not that well-trained sometimes, you know, up there just doing their best to sing their heart out, it just, it fills me with something. I, I love it. I love to see people who strive to share these talents because they want to bless others because they want to praise their lord and their savior i think it's beautiful and it's uh you know and uh and so i i i always find that sometimes that that's when i feel the spirit the strongest is when not when it's performed well because believe me i get in the way sometimes of my music because i you know, I rely so much on my talent because I have trained, you know, and sometimes I, I think only about, I want to make sure it's beautiful, you know what I mean? And sometimes that gets in the way of really allowing the Spirit to work through us, you know, as we sing and as we, as we perform and uh, in expressing uh, this, the, the, the testimony and the Spirit that, that can be found in, in music and in hymns and, and uh, in other ways of expression musically. Well... Uh, for uh, someone who uh, isn't uh, talented, it's comforting to hear someone uh, like yourself say that. And I should say isn't talented <laughs> in music. I and mean, we all have our own talents, right? So, uh, but uh, isn't talented there. So, and, and 
I'll just add, uh, you and I were in the same stake. I think I, I said that. And um, our stake president loves music. Uh, but I've heard him promise a number of times in stake conferences and in ward conferences. Uh, and he said, each time he said, I just feel prompted to tell you this. So I don't know that it applies to our whole audience, but it applied to our stakes for whom he has the keys, right? Uh, that uh, if you will listen to good, uplifting music, it will help you in a number of ways. It will help with depression. It will help. And I can't remember all the things he added, but I had some some girls that were struggling with that at the time. And I really keyed in on that and uh, have really uh, tried to each morning as reading breakfast, have some hymns in the background or something like that. Sometimes they're kind of tired. Of, but I have been able to tell there is a real there's a healing power to uplifting music. There's also a dangerous power to uh, non-uplifting music. And I, I'm I, I'm very aware of that as well. And I've seen the effects of that. But uh, but there's a real healing power to uplifting music and uh, to the the words. I mean, there is even music without words, uh, instrumental music. It, it can be incredibly powerful. But uh, but as someone who I do deal with text, that's that's where my talent lies. And uh, the the words in uh, th these songs uh, are uh, there's a power when they're coupled together, as you said. Uh, and, and I think that we need to have more good music in our life. Now, I'll, I'll admit, I mean, I love, I'm a child of the 80s. I love 70s and 80s rock. Uh, I just love it. <laughs> and, and there are yeah. some songs that I have loved uh, when I was young that now that I actually listen to the words, I'm like, oh, I can't listen to that song anymore. Too bad, because that's a good guitar riff. But, um, <laughs> right? uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, but, no, I uh, hear you. Um, and, uh, you know, the same thing for me in my profession, uh, you know, as I've worked on Broadway and, um, well, on Broadway tours, and I've worked in New York, I've worked in theater all over the place, and, um, and it's hard because there's, there's a lot of people in my profession who, who uphold these certain Broadway pieces or songs or whatever and, 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 and call it a great work of art and that, you know, you should appreciate it and love it and, and it should inspire you. And I just can't. There are yeah. some things that, while I can appreciate the technical uh, abilities of the writer, you know, and certainly, and like you were saying, the technical abilities of the performers, the, it's, it's astounding. It's really amazing what they were able to create. And, and it, is, it is technically wonderful. But the message, the thing that they're trying to communicate with me and with my spirit, it, it it does not work, right? It, yeah. it, it drives away that spirit. It is not truth. It is not goodness. It is not uplifting. It may be technically brilliant, but it's not, but we cannot, I think, allow those things into our life just because it's amazing. You know, sometimes I feel like it's almost like the emperor's new clothes. Um, you know, everybody's like praising it, but it's really the substance there is just, there's nothing there. Yeah. And, and, I, you know, I, President Packer talked a lot about music, and, and I love reading his words and what he said about it. He says, music is not harmless, you know, it will have its effect on you one way or another. Uh, and like you were saying, you know, I mean, Satan understands the power of music, and he understands the power of poetry, and he will use people of great talent sometimes to, I think, create things that are not uplifting, and that are, um, you know, that can hurt our faith, and, 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 and hurt us spiritually instead of building us building it up and so we do have to be very very careful i think with what we surround ourselves with because it will have an effect on us yeah i, I would agree and this is 
You remember when President Nelson talked a little bit about uh, making more time for Christ in our lives and what will we do to make more time for Christ? And this is one of the things I just had to decide is that I'm going to have uh, make less time for even the the harmless. I mean, there's harmful, but even the, the harmless uh, rock that I still listen to and, and enjoy, but make more time. <laughs> for music that uplifts me and edifies me. You know, I found a Christian rock station that I listen to a bit now and these kind of things, but uh, just to, right, yeah, yeah, yeah just, just to, to make that separate. shift. But anyway, sorry, keep going. No, no, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of really great music in the world. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we need to be listening to Tabernacle Choir or even Christian rock all the time, I don't think. there's. Yeah. I think there's a place for things that even are a little frivolous, just things that just put us in a good mood, that put a smile yeah. on our face, they're fun and uplifting, or, or even things that have a good beat that, that are that are fun, that we love to listen to, that kind of give us a groove. But we do need to be very careful about lyrics and about what is being taught, what's being said. I think those are important to make sure that we try to get those things out of our life. But I, I wanted to go back kind of what you were saying about the power of music to heal. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say this to build myself up. I really don't. And I don't mean it this way. I actually want to point out just how amazing music itself is and what the Lord can do for it. But, um, you know, I've had many, many experiences in my life. I, I go around and perform a lot and I do firesides a lot, musical firesides and various things. And, and it is the most beautiful thing in the world to have people come up to you afterwards or even just in random on the street, people who come up and say, you know that song that you sang that you recorded on this? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, it got me through my mission. I, you know, mm -hmm. I was going through this. I was going through this horrible experience. I was going through um, a divorce. I was going through the death of my child. I was going through so many, so many circumstances. And, and to hear them say that music strengthened me it helped me to feel the spirit of the lord i i could feel the lord with me through that music and through through those words and i felt him strengthening me and i'm like that is so beautiful and wonderful i have nothing to do with that yeah. i have nothing to do with that that is that is the power of you opening up your heart and listening to those words and list allowing the music to enter into your heart and the spirit is able to to talk to you the lord is able to talk to you through that and that's a miracle it's a miracle yeah. it's so beautiful um when i hear that i just i just want to just thank the lord so much uh for allowing me you know dallin bayless this this imperfect uh not the best singer in the world person who created something that was that the lord was able to use in his hand to be able to bless somebody else's life to help strengthen them that's it's a miracle it's just so beautiful i'm just so grateful that the lord uh can use us in that way in whatever yeah. our talents or or weaknesses you know and, and be able to um be able to bless other people's lives and certainly certainly music does that and it strengthens people and uh um, and so yet another reason why we should surround ourselves with it because like the scriptures i i believe they're you know then the first presidency said they're there they should be right next to our our scriptures and importance right the hymns uh, music is another powerful way for the Lord to speak to us, and to, and and certainly as we open our hearts to feeling that music, it softens our hearts and it helps to helps us to be able to I think get in tune in ways that uh, 
again, that sometimes the spoken word just can't do on its own. Uh, we need a little extra oomph, and music usually provides that. Ah, it's wonderful stuff. I couldn't agree more. I don't know if you had more in, in the way of personal experiences, uh, ways music has touched you, or if you'd like to jump into the Psalms now or do some of both as we go along, but uh, why don't you just keep uh, taking us where you'd like to go? Okay. Well, in case you'd like to use it, I can share another experience, a personal experience um, yeah. with you. Um, there was, uh, I, uh, I, I've worked as an ordinance worker in the Provo Temple for a few years. Uh, I don't currently, but, uh, uh, but for a few years I was an assistant bell coordinator and every once in a while we would, uh, not every once in a while, excuse me, at the beginnings of our shift, we would uh, all gather together. The men would gather in one room and the ladies in another. And, uh, and we would have a meeting. And there's just this little divide that separated us. Well, on this particular day, uh, there was a, a woman who had uh, lost her father the mm. year before. And she was very close with her father and she was very distraught. And it was coming up on the anniversary of his death and she was feeling very, very sad. And, and uh, she worked in the temple, but she wanted to do something to just to help her, strengthen her during this time. And she decided to take on an extra shift, and that shift happened to be my shift. And uh, so she came, and uh, and she felt like she was going to be uh, crying for most of the day. She was thinking about how much she missed her father. So she she decided she was going to sit in the very back, right next to that divide between our rooms. And so she sat there. And on this, on this particular, at this particular meeting, uh, one of the members of the temple presidency asked me if I would sing uh, um, uh, "Brightly Beams Our Father's Mercy," and because he felt like it would go along with the message that he was going to share with us that day, and uh, and so I said absolutely, and so I got up and I just sang it, but. The most interesting thing, I could not get the tenor line out of my head. Now, I'm a pretty good musician. I think I know the melody versus the harmony, but I could not get it out of my head. And I kept singing that, and I didn't even realize it until after I sat down. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I sang that entire song solo, just singing the tenor line. What in the world must people be thinking? That was the weirdest thing. Um, just a few hours later, uh, somebody uh, came up to me and just and told me this experience that somebody had had uh, this woman who had come to sit next to that divide she while she was sitting back there she listened to me singing the tenor line of brightly beams our father's mercy and uh, it was her father's favorite song number one and he loved singing the tenor line and that's something that always made her think of him was that tenor mm -hmm. line that he would sing and she says the instant i heard that i felt this rush of the spirit just go through my my whole body through my heart and i knew that the lord was aware of me and that my father mm -hmm. was all right and that he loved me and that the savior loved me and that all was all was well and it was a, it was just such a sweet thing to hear that experience of how how the Lord <laughs> orchestrated that. Think of all the ways that He orchestrated that that moment. You know, yeah. allowing her to come, her being inspired to sit on the back, uh, the president asking me to sing that song. I sang the tenor line. All of those things 
just so that this dear sister could know that the Lord was aware of her. And, you know, honestly, I think this is a great, I think this is a great segue into these psalms um, because one of these psalms, Psalm 139, listen to all of these words. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. I love that. The Lord knows us. He knows everything about us. And, you know, in just the psalm previous, uh, there in, um, in verse 3, uh, excuse me, there in verse 6, he says, Thou, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. I think these two kind of go together because he's, he's marveling over the fact that the Lord, despite him being so far above us and so powerful and mighty, he still loves us. He still respects us. He still wants to know us. He searches all of our ways. He knows us. And, uh, and then he says there in verse 6 of, of uh, Psalm 39, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And to me, I don't know if I'm interpreting this correct, but it seems to me that he's saying, I, it's, it's beyond me to understand why the Lord, as great and as marvelous he is, would, would think of me, would look on how low I am and still care about me and still want me and still care to know about me and, and, and lift me up and strengthen me and bless me in all the ways that he does. Uh, I love that. Such knowledge is just too wonderful for me. It's just, it's so high. I can't attain unto it. It's just, it's just beyond me. I love, I love, I love that. And, um, and to me, I, I, I know this amazing, uh, 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 scholar uh, who talks a lot about uh, uh, how covenant is about relationship, and by the name of Kerry Mulestein. <laughs> and you know, I wouldn't I trust help. that guy. <laughs> and I love what 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 you teach about that, uh, Kerry. And and it's interesting. But as I've been looking at these psalms uh, in preparation for our conversation today, I cannot help but look at it from that way. There's so much in here about that relationship and that loving kindness that has said and how they just know who they are. They know the relationship they have. They know David knows the relationship he has with the Lord. He knows who he is because of that relationship. And, uh, and I love how he expresses that, how he just, he has full confidence and faith in that covenant relationship that he has with the Lord, that he will be there for him, that he will protect him, that, that he can call out to him and he will answer, um, that he knows that when he's covered in darkness and the, at the end of Psalm 139, that it doesn't matter. The Lord will be there with me. The light will be there. Um, despite how high he is, he still loves us and he is still connected with us through that covenant relationship and he will never abandon us he will never forsake us and uh you know and i think these psalms are just 
replete with that understanding and that and they rely on that and they're expressing really i think a lot of these psalms are just an expression of that covenant relationship because the confidence they have in the lord and the knowledge that they can call out to him that he will answer that they can praise him because of his great loving kindness that he has for them and that he will never forsake them um that should i think of all things inspire us with the song of redeeming love right that mm. song that as we said just you cannot contain it i think when we when we really feel it when we really have an understanding of that covenant relationship of who christ is of what he's done for us how could we not help but sing you know i mean how could we how is there any other way to express the joy of our salvation the uh uh the 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 how we feel about the Lord, or even just how much we want to just rely on the Lord, how we need his blessings, and how we, how we crave for the Savior to come and to, to forgive our sins and to strengthen us and to help us in our weakness. And, and, to, and you know, there's so many. My, my, some of my favorite songs and hymns are those that have that kind of, that kind of longing, that's, that, that, mm. that, that need you know there's that need and that desire and they they express it and they that utter dependence upon god that i think these psalms just do beautifully um you know come thou fount i think that is one of the reasons why we love it so much in the church besides the fact that uh brother wilbur just did an amazing arrangement of it that helped to express those words so beautifully but but those words are just so beautiful you know uh uh Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, prone to leave the God I love. And um, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I think singing is not only a way for us to help express those strong desires and spiritual needs that come into our heart. But it's also a beautiful way for others to be able to discover that need and discover that love and read or rediscover it as the case may be of how the Lord will never forsake us and that he, his loving kindness is always there for us and we can rely on that. Um, it's a, anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and I love how, especially the Psalms of David, man, I wish we could go back and do, you know, 51. I, I, well, that, that, what a powerful, powerful. Let's scene. do, let's, let's oh. go back to, to 51. <laughs> and, and, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I read it a little bit, uh, on the podcast back when we did David, but, um, I think this is a perfect time to talk about it. And, and before we read it, maybe, uh, th this is something that I should have thought of before, but I really never did until you were just talking about this connection uh, that is so often expressed in the Psalms. And I think you're right. There's this covenant connection. And, you know, there are a lot of Psalms attributed to David, and we don't know if all of them were or not. Psalm 51, I, I personally think really is. And and a, a bunch of them have to be David, and they, they fit so well. So I don't know which ones are and which ones aren't, but there are enough that say express similar things. I think we can we can be confident in saying this. Um, when David, David had trials early in life, right? He had this quick rise to power and then Saul persecutes him and he has to run away and he's 
uh, away from his wife and he's being chased un- and trying uh, being sought to, to be killed unjustly by someone whom he'd only helped and served well. And he has to go out with the Philistines and everything. He has a lot of terrible things. And that's when you get a lot of these Psalms where he is calling on God, help me, uh, I, deliver me from my enemies, deliver me from all these terrible things. And uh, it, so even before that, you know, when he was young and he's a shepherd, he develops this relationship with God. It's clear he trusts in God and the promise of the covenant and the story of the Goliath. But I think during that period, he must really come to rely on God. And it never occurred to me before, but it is that connection that must get him through when he has this encounter with with Nathan. And Nathan is is the, uh, you know, this Psalm 51 is written right after Nathan has confronted him with this sin of having murdered Uriah. And uh, I think that's the kind of thing that could just make a person give up to realize I am this guilty. I really am this guilty and to just say, there's no hope for me. Um, and, and my sense is David carries a little bit of a, a burden the rest of his life for having uh, done this, even though he's forgiven. He kind of feels like, well, some of this bad stuff that happens to me, this is why it happens to me. But, but I would guess that the, what we read in Psalm 51, where he feels like after he has sunk to his very lowest, most desperate moment, uh, having offended God so deeply that he still feels that he can turn to God and ask for help is because of the connection he had built up during the earlier trials in his life. And if he hadn't had those earlier trials, I would I think there's a decent chance that he wouldn't have been able to turn to God this way and seek forgiveness in this way because he wouldn't have developed the relationship that he needed. And and so to me, that's that's powerful to see that relationship built up over a period of time. So we can see it building through the Psalms. And, and in many ways to me, this is Psalm 51 might be uh, the peak of the Psalms. I mean, there's so many beautiful Psalms, but this one, when I think of David and where he's at and what he says here, I, I don't think there's a Psalm that touches me more. So I, I'd love for you to take us through it. I think when you've just been talking about connection, it's the perfect Psalm to think of. Thank you. Yeah, I honestly, I don't even know where to begin because I love all of this so much. You know, we, we just talked about that reliance on the Savior, and you so beautifully expressed, yeah, I, at that point when you have sinned that greatly and you know it, and I, and I you know, let's, let's make a personal connection here, you know, with others who may feel like they have just sinned too much, you know, that they have gone beyond God's love, that they can't be forgiven, that they just better give up, you know, and certainly David probably would have felt that, and I don't know what's going to happen with David. I mean, I know that there are scriptures that say certain things and, and other things, but gosh, I know the Lord is going to be as merciful as he can <laughs> to, yeah. to David, um, especially because of the desires, that repentant attitude that seems to have been in his heart so strongly, so powerfully, and like you were saying, probably for the rest of his life. I know that he bore the pain of this his entire life. Um, but I, yeah, let's just read these words. Uh, Psalm 51. This is like the ultimate of repentance scriptures. Yeah. When I say repentance, this is the kind of, I think, attitude and feeling that we all need to have as we approach the Lord, when we do things that are wrong, when we strive to correct those things, I think if we were to have this, this attitude, then, uh, 
you know, we're, we're well on the pathway to repentance and receiving forgiveness of our sins. Uh, I love this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that, they, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And, and I, I, as I looked at that verse there, I kind of like, trying to understand that, I almost feel like it might be, we kind of, as we read this in family scripture study, my explanation for this was, he probably was just thinking that we're, it's kind of being like born in the natural man, you know, we're born in a sinful world and we, we, yeah. we, we all sin. I don't know if he necessarily feels like, you know, he was, I don't know, anything common? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you're, you're correct in that. I, I mean, I, I don't think he was born out of wedlock. That's, that's a, a, a phrase that, it means that to us in our day didn't mean it in King James day didn't mean it for David. I think you're exactly right that he is uh, conceived by fallen parents. Uh, and we get yeah. the same thing in Moses chapter seven or six, the end of Moses chapter six, this idea when it says you're conceived in sin, it doesn't mean that you were, the mankind was born out of wedlock. It means you were conceived by fallen parents. Yeah. That we're all fallen. Behold, I was, uh, behold, thou desirous truth, in the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with, is it hyssop or hyssop? Hyssop. Hyssop. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I love that it, it makes me think of Isaiah there, right? You know, yeah. your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. That again, I would guess Isaiah's drawing on that when he, when he writes that's that. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna ask that. Uh, yeah, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love that, that, that need, that desire. I, I know I can't do this on my own, Lord. I need you to cleanse my heart. And I hope that you will renew my spirit. You know, give us a new heart. This idea of yeah. being born again, you know, with yes. a new heart, a new spirit. Uh, I, I think that's... Uh, sorry, keep going. Uh, 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 yeah, just just uh, drawing on uh, the words of, uh, of, of Alma and, and others, you know, who say we, we have to be born again. This, this creature must become a new creature. We, we have to become new. And that is only through the grace of Jesus Christ. We can't do that on our own. You know, he needs to give us that new heart. But it only happens when we turn our will over to him, when we when we strive to repent, when we when we turn to him and rely on his blood and through that covenant relationship, I think honestly that that, that is possible, that that miracle of rebirth, uh, being born again is is possible. Uh, and and uh, maybe I'll just jump in there that I, I think as uh, members of the church, sometimes we don't emphasize that enough. We want to be different than other Christians or something. And and we don't emphasize enough this idea of being born again. But I think I, I love I, I love the born again imagery and there's some important imagery there. But I, I, I love the way David says it here and they create in me a new heart. That, what a fantastic image for being born again and, and that we have to acknowledge. I don't 
change my heart. I mean, we have a role in changing our heart, but that role is to open ourselves up to Christ. And Christ is the one who really creates in us a new heart. And uh, I, I know I've experienced that where, where things that uh, I didn't even realize was a sin that I was kept being tempted by because it didn't feel like a sin to me because I liked it so much of the fallen nature and he liked it so much. Right. And, and then you just have a moment where Christ changes you and you're like, not only do I realize that's not a good thing, I don't have any desire for that, right? And that doesn't mean it'll be gone forever. Sometimes I've had experiences where it is gone forever, and I've had experiences where it, it comes back. But now I, I can deal with it in a different way because I, I've had a new heart created that was beyond what was my blood. And some things just require a lot more effort on my part, and sometimes it's just God changes you. It's a beautiful thing, and and I love that phrase for it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And you see that, right, in, in King Benjamin's people, in uh, as Alma's describing the those who have been called to the priesthood, those who just, they, they have no more desire to sin. They, they, yeah. they, they abhor sin, you know, they, even the very thought of it. And, and boy, you know, I, I, I like you, you know, sometimes you, you get to that point in your heart and in your life, and you're like, oh, I need to keep that, you know, I need to keep yeah. that, that, that new heart and stuff. But it's hard. We have to continually ask the Lord to help us recreate that and, uh, and renew our, our right spirit within us, as David said. I'd love it. Yeah. Um, so he, he has such a, an ability to phrase it just the right way. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? I just love that. Yeah. We, we think about the sacrament itself and what it's trying to do and that that one promise that we can always have the spirit to be with us is so vital and he i think david understands that don't take that spirit away from me i need it you know that's that's where the that spiritual power comes from that that ability to have a clean heart and a renewed spirit through that spirit um it's so and, vital and he understands that yeah yeah and, and it's vital for all of us i think david probably realizes something for himself that we may think is different from us but i want to help us see that it's not i mean david is the king right and he has in the past realized, and I probably had forgotten for a moment, but now realizes again, I can't do my job the right way if I don't have the spirit with me. And he's probably terrified at this thought, like, don't take that spirit away from me. I, I, I have to have that. And uh, as, as you uh, kind of uh, accidentally mentioned, I'm serving as a bishop right now. And, and there are times where I haven't done something terrible, but things where I've gotten a little upset at home or something like that. And, and the, I feel the spirit leaving. I'm like, oh, I, I can't have that. <laughs> there, there are people who are depending upon me. And when I had that experience at that way, you know, it's not different because I'm a bishop. My family always depended upon me to have the spirit with me, to take care of my family. Uh, my friends have always depended that I, I would have the spirit to be able to help them when they need There's not anyone who isn't in, you may not be king of all Israel, but there's not anyone who doesn't have someone who needs them to have the spirit with them. Uh, and, and so we all need to have that feeling that David must have had this panic, like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I can't lose the spirit. I've, I've got to have that with me. Yeah. And it, and it just becomes so much more pronounced. We, we feel it. We understand it more when we realize we don't have it and we really need it when we feel that difference right and and like you say i think especially at this point he's wow he's really feeling like oh my gosh i need it or when we when we have callings or when we're called upon to do something we're like oh my goodness and i i realize i don't have the spirit with me as much as i ought to be able to do what i'm trying what i need to do now and i am so sorry lord i i 
I think it's a healthy thing. I think it's yeah. a good thing that we have those experiences where we realize how important it is to always have his spirit to be with us and that we are always striving to remember him and act in a way that helps to invite that spirit to be with us all the time because wow we need it all the time and yeah. you know and and when we come to terms with our own weakness and how much we do need the lord and we must depend on him um, i think that's when we have a much healthier um well, I don't want to say healthy, but we have a, a greater um, desire to keep ourselves pure and clean, and we, and I think it'll affect affects the way that we the way that we act. We we think more before we act because we know that those those actions could have severe consequences, right? Um, I, I, this this phrase just keeps coming up. I I love the story of Brigham Young when uh, I think it was Thomas B. Marsh. When he returned back to the church, uh, and he gave a speech and and you know and shared with people why he had gone astray and you know he, that he had lost the spirit of the Lord, he just knew it and and, uh, and but he says, but now I am always going to be true to the church, you know and 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 Brigham Young gets up and <laughs> in good Brigham fashion, he kind of chastises him. He's like, look, you just said you were never going to leave the church. I will never say that. Because I know too well my own weakness. I know too well in my own weakness, and I know that this is a daily decision. I, I, I can't phrase it perfectly, I'm afraid, but so I'm just paraphrasing it. But he's like, I know too well of my own weakness to ever say such a thing. I have to make that choice every day. I know that I am prone to wander and that I have to rely on the Spirit every day. And, and I have to live... I, I, kind of take it that Brigham's saying we need to constantly live day to day almost in that fear that we could fall. We could very well be a David walking on the rooftop one night and and something happens and it leads to other actions that suddenly lead us right out and suddenly we're places we never could thought we would ever be. And I I feel like it's important that we have a healthy respect for our weakness and our great dependence upon God, and also the power that Satan really does have. I mean, the man, he's incredibly talented. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to hit each of us. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. he doesn't know us as well as the Lord, but uh, but he knows us, and he will do everything he can to try to deceive and to try to steer us away. And I don't think if we if we don't live in that constant vigilance, state of vigilance, you know, of... of Staying true to the Lord and realizing I am weak, I don't know anything. Um, if we don't have that kind of humility and that kind of uh, that kind of heart that is humble and broken and contrite and re and fully drawn out to the Lord all the time, you know, I, I feel like we're 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 on dangerous ground where uh, easily deceive us, right? Well said. Um, I love this, verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I love that. Restore that joy, that joy that we once felt, you know, when we were when we were living right, when we felt the spirit, when we had the spirit in our lives. I want that joy again. I want that feeling. I want that restored relationship with you again. I, and that is expressed best in joy, the joy of thy salvation. Um, kind of reminds me of, you know, Moses with Adam and Eve talking about how they, f despite the transgression, they feel the joy 
of their yeah. salvation. They know that, that they know what that feels like now. And, and they're so grateful for the Savior and what he's done. Um, then I, will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I love that, where he's saying, you know, once I'm through this, I will then be able to teach others and share with others the joy of my salvation and, and how important it is to, to follow the ways of the Lord because of my experience. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. I love that. You yeah. know, it's so interesting because I, I always thought, it goes to show my lack of scriptural knowledge, I guess, but I always thought that this was Jesus saying this, you know, later in his day, that I no longer want a sacrifice of a blood sacrifice. I, I want you to give me a sacrifice of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. But here it is, David understanding that it's not found in the sacrifices, you know, and, and obviously Paul talks a lot about that too, right? It's not in the sacrifices, guys. It's about what it's doing to you. Yeah. It's about what it's, how it's changing your heart and your spirit by giving that up, by willingly giving your heart to God and sacrificing things that are important to you, your own will, you know, that's where it's at. That's the sacrifice the Lord is trying to get through this temporal sacrifice, you know, as part of the law. He wants us to change. He wants us to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And it's so beautiful. It's just, it just stunned me. I loved reading that again. It's like, oh, he understood that. And I think that's so cool because too often we, I think sometimes we look at the Old Testament and we think, oh, you know, all these performances and ordinances. And certainly we get that in the Book of Mormon that they understood the higher meaning of that. But here it is, you know, he sees beyond that. He understands what the Lord was trying to teach them through the law of Moses, uh, that they need to have that broken heart and contrite spirit. Um, anyway, I, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, just so many, so many beautiful things. I, I'm so grateful for this psalm. I'm grateful for the words of David, and I truly believe they were inspired, and they help inspire in me and teach me how to repent. You know what I mean? And the things yeah. that are important for me to remember, the kind of attitude I need to have, uh, and the, the thought process and the understanding of the repentance process and, and, and how wonderful it is and what a joy it is. And that he, even in his circumstance, nobody is too far gone. You know, I love, I love Elder Holland's quote of, you know, you, you can never uh, sink deeper than the love of Christ shines. And it's a beautiful way of putting it. And I think David understood that. And he was going for the rest of his life, I think, be pleading to the Lord for his mercy and for his forgiveness. And, um, and, and I'm so grateful for his words because they inspire me. And, and that's the power of Psalms. And I would love to hear this put to music, you know, yeah. I, I like to know what it sounded like. Um, yeah, yeah. It would, I can't wait. Maybe in heaven we'll be able to get a, get a, get a concert of some of the Psalms as they were sung in, the, yeah. in these days and what, what tunes they used and, and such, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear David perform some of them, right? I mean, because he apparently yeah, was a right? pretty good musician. So I'd like to hear, uh, you know, that the uh, David concert. Um, and and, and <laughs> yeah. along with you, 
there are, and I've read the Psalms before, and I, I've read you know all the scriptures before. I, I know know them uh, at least decently well. And even so, as we're going through Psalms right now, I find myself surprised again and again to say, "Oh, David," or maybe sometimes not David, but still someone in roughly that time period. Oh, that's where that the, the phrase was first here, right? And I think Isaiah draws on the Psalms a lot. I can see Doctrine and Covenants phrases. I can see, as you were mentioning, Christ in the Book of Mormon. Uh, there are a number of places where I'm like, oh, yeah, that was here in the Psalms first. And and Christ alludes to the Psalms. He quotes them quite a bit, but he alludes to them a tremendous amount. And uh, uh, it's been kind of fun as we've gone through this to, be, to, to see that again and again, like, oh, they really did get this. Uh, they, they got it very, very well. And other prophets draw on on David more than anyone, but other Psalms as well. It's it, it just should inspire us to go in and, and study these and Probably, I hope not just during this time period. I recommend people just read a psalm a day for the rest of the Old Testament year or something like that. It's a it's a great way to go. So, oh man, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I know we've gone way over, but could I just share one story that just was brought to my attention about Psalm ninety one? Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I mean, I this psalm, Psalm ninety one, so beautiful. So much in here that's just so beautiful, um, but. There's a story here that actually just yesterday my wife was telling me about. She was uh, she was reading the uh, biography of Jimmy Stewart, and uh, uh. Jimmy Stewart, when he was in the military, um, uh, he was he was quite the airman, and uh, he actually performed some pretty amazing missions that were very dangerous. And during uh, World War II, right? During World War II, yeah. And when his company was about to fly out to war, um, his father gave him uh, a sealed envelope. And he said, I don't want you to open it until you're in the air. And so he took it and, and uh, his, his squad got into the air, going off to war. And, uh, and he opens up this letter and this is what it says. Uh, it says, my dear Jim boy, Soon after you read this letter, you will be on your way to the worst sort of danger. I have had this in mind for a long time, and I am very much concerned. But Jim, I am banking on the enclosed copy of the 91st Psalm. The thing that takes the place of fear and worry is the promise in these words. I am staking my faith in these words. I feel sure that God will lead you through this mad experience. I can say no more. I continue only to pray. Goodbye, my dear. Good bl God bless you and keep you. I love you more than I can tell you, Dad. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so this 91st Psalm was a comfort to, uh, to Jimmy Stewart's dad, and I'm sure to Jimmy Stewart himself, as he was away in some very dangerous places and, you know, encountering some amazing things. But the, the beautiful words here of divine protection that is promised uh, are just as extraordinary. You know, you look there, verse, sorry, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the no, uh, noisome pestilence. I love verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. And when I look at that word uh, cover, it instantly brought to mind the, the Hebrew 
um, translation of the word atonement to cover. You know, mm-hmm. because atonement will cover. And then this idea of feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. Uh, it obviously brings to mind Christ as he talks about how oft I would have gathered thee as a hand gathers her chicks, you know, and protect them under your wings and, uh, and cover you, you know, with, with my love, with my atoning sacrifice. Uh, so beautiful. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And then these beautiful promises. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And on and on. Um, verse 11 for he shall give his angels charge over thee. Makes me think of Doctrine and Covenants 84, 88, right? I shall go before your face. I'll be on your right hand, on your left, and my angels shall be round about you, um, strengthen you. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And there's that messianic uh, prophecy related to the Savior. And, of course, Satan uses, tries to use that, right, to tempt him. But, uh, but still it was true. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. I will, he will call upon me and I will answer. The God of the universe is there and he has not forgotten us. He will always be with us. He'll deliver us. He'll strengthen us. His angels will be around about us. He'll cover us with his feathers and his wings, with the atonement, um, and he'll protect us and bless us. I'm so grateful. Just love these beautiful, beautiful expressions of, of faith of testimony, of trust in the Lord, of love for the Lord, of, of a sure testimony that he is there and that he knows them and that he will bless them and, and strengthen them and give them the help that they need in life. I know that this is true, not just for them, but for us. And, uh, and I, I hope and pray that we can develop this kind of testimony and that we can make the words of these psalmists ours, our own. That as we speak them, as we sing them, as we say them, that they become more than just words on a written page written by somebody else, but that they can be an extension of our own testimony, our own understanding of the Lord, our own uh, sure knowledge of his love and of who he is and of our relationship with him and with the Savior of his atoning sacrifice. Oh, amen. That's that's all I'll add. That's wonderful. Uh, just amen. And I I, I hope that uh, I I'm sure that our audience has been uplifted the way I have. And and I hope that uh, you'll think of someone that could be blessed by this, and you'll share it with them. So thank you so much, Dallin. You you've blessed me. Amen to all you've said. <laughs>